grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. We're so glad that you're here on this Reformation Sunday. It's a wonderful day in the life of the church. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church on Reformation Sunday, and especially those of you visiting with us. We're so glad that you're here with us today. There is a friendship pad on each pew. It's near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here and then pass it down the row so that other people can do that too. There is a lot going on in the life of the church. One of the things is this morning at both 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, Megan Sturrett is going to be talking about building wealth so that you can be generous with it, with others, and with the church. She's also going to be talking about some, some of the new tax laws and how they will impact our charitable giving. So that we're doing two presentations at 10 and 11. It is upstairs above the Rose Garden in Hills Hall, which is also newly redecorated. And you'll see it's quite different looking in there. We spent a lot of time on it this week. There's also a wonderful brunch going on up there during that time. So I've seen the food. Go for the food. It's really going to be great. <laughs> Megan will be too, but the food's going to be terrific. Next Sunday at 9.45, there'll be a congregational meeting just before the 10 o'clock service to elect the new officers for the next term, the next three years, deacons, elders, and some of the committees that we have. Also, a week from tomorrow is our Grief at the Holidays group at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. If you know anyone who has lost someone that they love uh, fairly recently, it's a great place to talk about strategies for going through the holidays differently um, instead of, uh, because it can often be a very difficult time. Our book talk group meets a week from this Tuesday, and they are discussing Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. Great book. If you've read it, you're invited. It's not a closed group. Anybody can come to it. And Third Friday invites you to join them. This month, we are going to have our very own Jeff Nagel. Where are you, Jeff? Wave at us. Jeff Nagel, um, talking about resi resilience. Uh, Jeff is the head, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong. He is the head of Orange County Behavioral Health. True? True? Yeah. So you just think he's just a singer over there in the praise band. He's the, he's the, he's the head shrink of all of Orange County. So... 
he's going to talk about that, and he's going to talk about how important it is to build resilience in our lives so that we can bounce back from things that, um, that are difficult. Uh, also, the, if you are considering the group going to Scotland, uh, we have got an extended early bird, into, uh, early bird deadline till November 10th. We only need 20 people to be able to go by November 10th. That's a change. So do sign up then so that we can make sure that that can happen. Uh, next week is uh, Fallback Sunday, so we ch change our clocks. So if you don't change your clock, you're going to be here too early. How bad is that? Um, and uh, I'm delighted to announce to you that we have flowers that celebrate a 50th anniversary for Jay and Gertrude Andrus. So we congratulate them. I think they'll be here in second service. Yeah. 50 years. Wonderful. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. God of history, God of all truth, we would know more of you of your goodness and your mercy, of your large purposes and your long-term dreams. And so as we come to worship you today, open our minds and our hearts, teach us your way, for we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. God speaks and the earth melts. God makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. God breaks the bow, shatters the spear, and burns the shields with fire. God is exalted among the nations. God is exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Amen. Let us stand and worship God together. this great reformation
Psalm 46 is, Be still and know that I am God. For God is exalted among the nations. God is exalted in the earth. sing together. is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. in the midst of the city it shall not be moved for God will help us when the morning dawns be still be still out of the quiet of our hearts, let us join together in our prayer of confession. Gracious God, source of all life, Lord of mercy and grace, hear our prayer. We, we come, come before, before you in need of wholeness and healing, the healing of our bodies and souls, the healing of our relationships the healing of our pride and fear and apathy. We know that with you, nothing is impossible. Heal our brokenness so that we may be freed to serve, to love, to create, to become all Christ intends for us to be. And so, gracious Lord, we know that you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, 
So great is your steadfast love towards those who fear you, as far as the east is from the west. So you remove our transgressions from us. And so, friends, let us receive the good news of this gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. I'd like to invite those that are going to Nairobi, Kenya on this special mission trip to come up front. As you can see in front of you, we have a list of several people. Half of them are from Laguna Presbyterian Church and the other half are from other churches that are also co-sponsoring this great adventure. You can stand up on the steps. The higher you are, the more they can see you. <laughs> and, and more eye level to you. And the more eye level to me. <laughs> Take another step up, okay? <laughs> so, Ken, how long has it been that you've been doing these trips? Um, our first trip was in 2000. 2007. We've been going to Africa since then, but the trips from uh, LPC really started in around 2012 or 13. All right. So this will be the eighth LPC trip. The eighth LPC trip. So we're going to offer a prayer for these fine people and for the others that are going with them, as you see listed. And for all those whose letters are going. And for the letters and for the special donations. We had a person walk out of the first service and said, I'm given to that mission. So you can expect at least one check. Right. <laughs> Every bit helps. There you go. So let's pray for them. Gracious and powerful God, you send us across national and international boundaries to be people who represent Jesus in faraway places and also close at home. So as these Members of our congregation have re represented you close at home. We are commissioning them to go with you to represent Jesus in Nairobi, Kenya. May you be with them as they are among the Tuamani children's home and all the children and caregivers that are there, the educators, those who support. May you help them to carry the good news and love of Christ with them as they carry these letters and pictures. O Lord, grant them a deep sense of your presence as they go. May they experience what it means to be like Jesus to these other people, to be servants of the Most High God and members of this congregation and other congregations that send them. Thank you for calling them in your grace to go before us. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Let's say thank you.
our house, we have just finished um, repainting the inside and the outside of the house, which means that we had to take everything out. Everything in every closet had to go out. Everything everywhere. So, you know, most of the things are back. We kind of know where things are. There's stuff that we found when we were getting into all that. We didn't even know we had. Now, if I were a rummage sale person, we'd have had a rummage sale. But instead, uh, cars and cars full of stuff went again and again and again to those, the donating places where we take them. And now there's stuff that we don't have back in the house. We really don't quite know where it is, and we seem to be doing fine without it. So maybe we'll just go along, and none of that stuff will even be found until our kids clean out the house after we die. I don't know. For years, for weeks, it looked just much worse than when we started because, you know, whenever there's construction, you have like this layer of dust that's just on everything. It's on every dish. It's on every glass. It just covers everything. And you kind of get in the middle of this and think, am I really glad I started this? But now it's done and it looks just terrific. So we're really glad that we did it when everything was done. I bet some of you have tried to remodel a house in Laguna Beach. Have you? Hmm, Yeah. You sorry you ever started it after you got into it? Not an easy thing to do there. This sermon is about resistance. And uh, the people in the office thought that I should all tell you that I've been very resistant this week to write this sermon. And the reason that I have is because I said it in the announcements, but Hills Hall, which is right next to the office upstairs above the Rose Garden, we were doing our remodeling this week. And it was very tempting for me to keep popping up and going in there and answering questions or telling people where this should be or that should be or just looking at it. So I've had a very hard time paying attention to this. Um, we are so close to finished with remodeling it that we can almost taste it. It is just very exciting. But in the middle of it, you know, there's always a mess before you get to the part that is exciting. So I hope you'll come up and peek and see what it looks like and Come to the presentation at 10 or just come see how great it looks in Hills Hall because I think it looks wonderful. It's very bright in there now, and it's a good adult ed learning space. Our text today is about the beginning of what the Jewish people mark as the most profound change in their history, which is when they were delivered from slavery in Egypt and were able to go to the promised land of Canaan in freedom. But along the way, it is another mess. And you know the story. It's going to get worse before it gets better. So this is just one of many times that the Israelite people and Moses are going to wonder why they ever got into this in the first place. Exodus 4, verse 29. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the Israelites. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and performed the signs in the sight of the people. The people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had given heed to the Israelites and that he had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, so they may celebrate a festival to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should heed him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has revealed himself to us. Let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness to sacrifice to the Lord our God, or he will fall upon us with pestilence and sword. 
But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their work? Get to your labors. Pharaoh continued, now they are more numerous than the people of the land, and yet you want to stop them working. That same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people as well as their supervisors. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather the straw for themselves. But you shall require of them the same quantity of bricks as they have made previously. Do not diminish it, for they are lazy. That is why they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on them, and then they will labor at it and pay no attention to deceptive words. So the taskmasters and the supervisors of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get straw yourselves, wherever you can find it, but your work will not be lessened in the least. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, the same daily assignment as when you were given straw. And the supervisors of the Israelites, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why did you not finish the required quantity of bricks yesterday and today as you did before? Then the Israelite supervisors came to Pharaoh and cried, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants. Yet they say to us, make bricks. Look how your servants are beaten. You are unjust to your own people. He said, you are lazy, lazy. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, but you shall still deliver the same number of bricks. The Israelite supervisors saw that they were in trouble when they were told, you shall not lessen the daily number of bricks. As they left Pharaoh, they came upon Moses and Aaron who were waiting to meet them. They said to them, the Lord look upon you and judge. You have brought us into bad odor with Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned again to the Lord and said, oh Lord, why have you mistreated these people? Why did you ever send me? Since I first came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has mistreated this people, and you have done nothing at all to deliver your people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Indeed, by a mighty hand, he will let them go. By a mighty hand, he will drive them out of this land. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That was five minutes. It's a long scripture. But it's a good story. A few years ago, my husband Dave and I toured uh, in Eastern Europe, and we started at Berlin, and we went down the eastern side of Germany, and we ended up in Prague and Budapest. And the, all the territory that, went, that we went through, all of those people, again and again and again we heard the stories, they had all lived under the domination of Hitler. They had all rebuilt after just the total destruction of their homes and their cities in World War II. And then they had all been ruled by communism. Monument after monument, museum after museum, we discovered people who knew resisting well. So many times, their lives had gone from bad to worse in their struggle for freedom. And generation after generation of people 
knew the cost of resisting. In response to resistance, the leaders had merely tightened their grip, and people just disappeared into camps and gulags. Looking back, we view those resistors as the people who ended up on the right side of history. Just ask Moses about the cost of resistance and things going from bad to worse. Historians tell us that the pharaoh in this story is Ramses II, and he's known in history for his vast building projects. He didn't build pyramids. They were built probably 1,500 years before him. I guess I've always pictured the Israelites as building those pyramids, but that was before this period of time. He did build fortress cities all around his land. He was a great conqueror, and so he wanted to protect his area from all of the other people who wanted to come back in and conquer him. Lots of fortress cities, lots of monuments to himself. In fact, he took the monuments that were made to other pharaohs and he changed them so they looked like him. So this was the building project that needed to happen. The bricks, they, the common building material was bricks, clay bricks, and most of the um, walls that were around his fortress cities were 60 feet high. That is a lot of bricks. So all of this frantic building activity in the eastern delta area of Egypt called for the organization of a brick-making industry that was unprecedented. That is a lot of workers. And history tells us that Ramses liked to use foreigners, liked to conscript foreigners to do his building. That's Hebrew slaves. In our story, Moses and Aaron have been freshly called and empowered by Yahweh. They have just gained the support of the Hebrew elders, and they are pumped. And they go before Pharaoh for the very first time, boldly striding in. And all they ask for is three days. Let us go for three days into the wilderness. But Pharaoh is not about to let his slave population out of his sight, especially not to show allegiance to some other gods, some god that's not him. As far as he is concerned, Yahweh is a nobody. And Ramses, like a long line of tyrants before him and after him, knows exactly how to deal with resistors. He tightens the grip. He escalates his cruelty. And he will end up on the wrong side of history. Overnight, the life of Hebrew slaves goes from bad to worse. Well, it goes from horrible to absolutely impossible, having to build without the materials that they need. And who do they blame? Not Pharaoh. They blame Moses and Aaron. If I had been in Moses' shoes, I'd have been ready to give up and go back to herding my sheep. He has done everything God has asked him to do, he has followed the call, and he finds himself hung out to dry. And you've been in those situations. You've encountered closed doors and resistance where even the straw that you needed just wasn't there. You didn't have what you needed. We often say that smooth sailing is a sign that we are doing God's will, and that's true. But the opposite 
is not true. The presence of trouble and closed doors does not mean that God is not with us or that we're not doing what God wants. Look at the story of Moses as an example. God's original promise to Moses, I will be with you, is also the promise for you. I will be with you even in those situations that seem absolutely impossible. Along with Moses, we discover in this story again and again that on the way to the fulfillment of God's vision, there can be many closed doors. There can be lots of resistance. So much trusting in what God will do. In her book, The Great Emergence, Phyllis Tickle writes that there are, that about every 500 years, there are tectonic shifts in the culture and the church, resulting in new ways of understanding and practicing Christian faith. In her words, the Spirit of God has a rummage sale about every 500 years, keeping some of the things in the church and getting rid of some of the other things to make room for the new things. It's not change for change's sake, but change in response to what's going on in the culture to the Holy Spirit's vision of being able to reach people afresh with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Looking back through history and looking back at how God's Spirit has been at work in the church to bring change to the church, here is how Phyllis Tickle sees it. She says 500 years after the time of Jesus, there were great cultural changes. It was the fall of the Roman Empire, for pity's sakes. It was the beginning of the Dark Ages. And the church went underground into monastic communities, nuns and monks that kept the truth of the gospel, that kept the scriptures, that copied the scriptures, that kept things safe in an era when the rest of the world was absolutely falling apart. About 500 years later, 1054, came the great schism when the Roman Catholic Church split into the Western Church, which we still call Roman Catholic, and the Eastern Church, which nowadays we call the Orthodox Church. And then 500 years later is the day that we celebrate today, Reformation Sunday, about 1500, when Martin Luther, in response to a period of great cultural change, began to ask new questions. Remember, it was about that time that Columbus discovered the new world. It was also about that time of the Renaissance. It was about that time when there were all sorts of ancient learning was coming to light again after it had been just lost during the Dark Ages. Luther's questions as a monk and a theologian, he raised 95 questions that he wanted discussed in the Catholic Church because he thought it would bring change to this church that he loved. But his vision met resistance in the church, and things went from bad to worse again. And instead of bringing about internal change, Luther was rejected, and he was excommunicated, and he had to flee for his life. Uh, some of the places that we visited in Eastern Europe were places that he had hidden when he was fleeing for his life. Through Luther and other reformers, the Holy Spirit's change resulted in understandings 
that all of God's people can come to God directly and all of God's people are called into ministry. We call it the priesthood of all believers and it resulted in Protestant churches like us. A huge change, but just 500 years ago. And since it's been 500 years, here we are. We are due for another rummage sale. Many people believe that we are living in a time when the changes are as radical as they were in the time of the Reformation. Our understanding of science has increased exponentially, calling us to reconcile scientific fact and scripture. We are much more multicultural than we used to be. Our demographic study, even here, showed that increasing numbers of people in our area, as well as around the United States, say that they are spiritual, but not religious. Tickle calls this period of time the great emergence. Some of the changes that the church is making to adapt to the, the changes in society are coming up in the news. We were just talking about one of them this morning. Yesterday, the Roman Catholic bishops voted to allow married priests, what a change, and maybe even women to be priests. Radical change in the Catholic Church. Of course, the Pope hasn't said it yet, but the bishops voted for it. We will see. That would not have happened 500 years ago. That's adapting to the culture of today. There are also new worshiping communities that are completely different looking. Some of them meet around the dinner table, and that's church. And they, do, they pray and worship around the dinner table and eat around the dinner table. Some of them meet in a pub. One of those new worshiping communities is right here in Irvine. It's called Canvas. Um, some of their women went to our women's retreat last year. It is a thriving community of people who are uh, mostly, I would say, young adults and baby boomers. And they are growing in their faith and they are interpreting the gospel to people in their community in ways that we probably have never even thought about. This afternoon, they are gonna be chartered as a Presbyterian church. And Steve, as vice moderator of the Presbytery, is gonna preside over that. They do things quite differently. They don't have a building like this. They meet in an industrial building just kind of right next to a chiropractor and a physical therapist, just in one of those little strip mall things. They don't wear robes, they don't wear suits, they're gonna have to dress way down, probably, probably gonna have to put jeans on to go to this. And the reception afterward is gonna be a taco truck and beer, as I understand it. Although we're never gonna look exactly like that. I wonder what changes the Spirit of God might want us to make so that we can reach our contemporary culture. Probably changes that we've never even thought of yet. As historians write about our generation 500 years from now, I wonder what they're gonna say. I wonder what they're gonna say about what we did with this exciting time when people were thinking differently. I wonder what they'll say about how we responded and how God's Spirit, once again, could do a new thing in a gen this generation of people so that they could hear the good news. Uh, there is a prayer from the island of Iona that uh, just keeps coming to me in this period of time. O oh Lord, may your Spirit find us neither deaf 
nor defiant, but keen to do your purpose through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us continue in prayer. O Lord, as we've listened to the word that you've spoken to us, we ask that you would help us to be open to change. Change that you would bring sometimes in the face of our resistance. But change that you desire for the good of humanity and your people. You teach us in all times and places to be people of prayer and therefore open to change. For we pray almost daily that you will change something. And so we pray today that you would change us. That we would be open to the new ways that you want to bring your word and your presence and the pattern of Jesus into this world. And being your people, we want to offer prayers for the difficult situations throughout the world. For the Middle East and the ongoing struggle. We pray especially for the Kurd Christians that you would watch out over them and guide them and protect them for they are in one of those times when things could get worse before they get better. Hear their prayers. We pray for those that are struggling with fires in this terrible windy season in California, for Northern California and for Southern California fires, for people who are leaving their homes, things could get worse before they get better. Oh Lord, we pray for this congregation that you would help us in this time of change, in the time of reform, that you would be with the pastor nominating committee and help them in their seeking of a new pastor. Help us as things change. For sometimes they might get worse before they get better. Oh Lord, you are with us in all of these things. And you teach us to be a people of prayer. Help us not to be oppressive to those who would bring about change, but to be willing servants and not to enter into harsh resistance. And so we pray that prayer that calls us to change that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to stand with me as we affirm the faith that has come to us even from the Reformation and from the early church. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. When things are changing, sometimes we use our money as resistance. God help us not to do that. Let's use our money for reformation, for the kind of change that God wants to bring about. It's not easy. Things could get worse before they get better. And God wants us to be faithful with our money and our gifts while we're going through those tougher transitional times. Amen.
listen to this. I still remember the day you saved me, the day I heard you call out my name. You said you loved me, would never leave me, and I've never been the same. Let's dance We will remember, we will remember, we will remember the works of your hands. We will stop and give you praise for great is thy faith. Let's sing it again. We will. We will remember, we will remember, we will remember the works of your hands. We will stop and give you praise for great is thy And so we do stop and give you praise, gracious God, for you do make all things new. And you are gracious to invite us into the making of all things that are new. And so we ask that you would not only use us as your dedicated servants, but use these gifts from us to do the new thing. New hearts, new patterns, new ministries. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. It's not mine to say. Oh. <laughs> you missed it too. It was, I, 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 I reminded week. you last week. That's great. <laughs> well, if you need prayer this morning, we invite you to come forward and meet with one of our prayer ministers. They would love to pray with you and for you. I was just so mesmerized by the sermon this morning. I was thinking it through. So, See, we're trying to do a new thing. <laughs> we can't get it right week after week. <laughs> so may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen. Amen.